You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This is episode number 290. We're discussing Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Carlos. And it's here, guys. Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, debuted in theaters and absolutely rocked the box office. So much so that we had to pivot and throw the review in this week. Now, some of us are feeling the effects of Venom in very different ways. Me, I didn't see the movie. So I'm going to be <laughs> lobbing out questions to the guys and taking in a full spoiler review of Venom, having not seen the movie. I may or may not have seen the end credit scene, which we will all discuss towards the end of the review. Troy's here. I can't wait to hear what you got to say. Carlos has got a little bit of extra Venom inside of him right now. So hopefully he makes it through this entire podcast this week. Yeah, a little under the weather, folks. So yeah, if you, if I zone out, it's uh, it's not because I had any edibles or anything like that before we started. It's just yeah, feeling a little rough today. <laughs> so I was gonna say something, but I I stopped. I just stopped. I'm just, gonna, <laughs> just gonna leave it at that. Just leave it there. So we're gonna pretty much jump right into the review. We'll do a little box office breakdown, which will be spoiler free. Then we'll jump into the review and then the end credits, which will be full spoilers. And we're going to end the episode with our weekend nerd. So somewhat of a condensed week here, focusing primarily on Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So let's jump into it, guys. A special This Week in Nerd film edition. All right, guys. Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, a movie that debuted to a substantial box office eclipsed all of the industry predictions for what this was going to do. This is coming off the heels of Black Widow, of Shang-Chi, which had a really good debut at $70 million, pulling in above prediction there. But Venom pulled in $90 million, a film that arguably you could say has had a pretty rough promo campaign. The trailers haven't been excellent We've seen this be ping-ponged around the release schedule for the last year and a half. This pulling up of the release into this time slot here in October seems to have been the right move. So talk to me guys about this $90 million debut of Venom and what this potentially could mean for this very long-running narrative we've had here in the Nerd Room talking about the survival of the film industry, and particularly on the big screen. It's been a turbulent year, but we do see things starting to look on the positive side. This actually eclipses Venom 1 debut and becomes the second largest movie to debut in October, only behind the $93 million take of Joker from a few years ago. So, Troy... Talk to me about yep. what this means. $90 million is our third Marvel film to continue to raise the bar for the mm-hmm. pandemic era box office. So what does it mean? What does Venom do here? Is this a one-off? Is is No Time to Die? Is Dune going to see these numbers? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's 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 the third Marvel film, but we got to give credit to Sony because Sony stuck to their guns. Mm-hmm. The box office, the big screen, they didn't go half and half day and day release with the theatrical release and a Disney Plus motive. They went in there treating this movie as such and they went in for that box office experience. And when you think about it too, like it's not super surprising when Venom's coming off of his second film, Black Widow, this was this was her first film. Shang-Chi is very unknown and that was his first film and the, the first Venom was pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And Venom's huge. Like he, he's he's a big character. I mean, he's he's way bigger than Black Widow and Shang Chi put together. I would say so. I'm not super surprised, but I think um, I think this is pretty cool with what Sony's doing. And when you go back to that last um, kind of con, I think it was at CinemaCon when they kind of stuck to the guns and they mm-hmm. said we are releasing our stuff in the theater and the theater only, and you won't have access to us on a streaming or um, on demand. And clearly it works. It's clearly working. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty good for Spider Man. I'm telling you right now. These numbers right here, this is great. <laughs> oh, Spider Man, yes. December release. <laughs> this is this is gonna be mighty. This is gonna be mighty. So no, I I, I applaud Sony with what they've done. And I also applaud Shang Chi with what they did because they I think we have a couple more days, maybe a couple more weeks until that hits uh Disney Plus. Yeah, November twelfth. Right. Yeah, so clearly the, the box office works. I, I think this proves to WB, HBO Max, and even like the Black Widow um, layout that the day and day release does not work for the full effect of that box office volume. The money that you're getting, mm-hmm. it's 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 been proven here with Shang-Chi and it's been proven again now with Venom. And we'll see again with Dune. I think it's gonna hurt Dune because Dune is gonna be yes. is gonna be hurt by this big time. And uh, we have another one as well. Well, Bond, Bond will only be theatrical. And I'm sure that's going to make some money. That's that's definitely going to take away a lot from Venom. So uh, I, I like where we are, man. I, you know, I saw this film with my boy Sonny, and we're there bumping shoulders, and we're just like, man, we're here watching this on the big screen, growing out, and um, I had fun. I'll say that I had fun. So yeah, man, I like I like what they're doing here. Awesome. Keep it up. A sunny sighting. Yeah. A sunny sighting. A sunny sighting. Yeah, it's like where's Waldo? It's hard, but he's out there. <laughs> he's out there. He's out there. John Snow. <laughs> John Snow, boys. He's out there. John guarding Snow. the wall. There's a story he's gonna tell us someday when he returns to the podcast about that. <laughs> Very much to your point, though, Troy, about Shang Chi or Shang Chi, I should say, and Venom here. Whether it's coincidence or not, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, solved her little legal dilemma with Disney this past week as well. So I think both of these films, maybe not particularly Venom, but definitely Shang-Chi may have helped her argument that the Disney Plus only release probably hurt her back end, specifically on them taking that that revenue away from the theatrical experience. So the industry is starting to churn here, starting to see the theatric release as being, again, another pillar of that business model and that the streaming services are in addition to that, a bolt on the side of it. I'm really liking this 45-day window that they're doing with Shang-Chi with Eternals because this is mm-hmm. kind of the best of both worlds, in my opinion. I'm not sure how much yeah. it's eaten away at that box office revenue, at least the first, what, 45 days? So that's, you know, you're into seven, eight weeks or whatever it is. There's is. You're usually seeing the downfall and running into other films. So probably not a huge, huge issue on that end of things. So very, very exciting to see the overperformance of, of Venom here and what it could mean, like you said, for things like Spider-Man. This puts Spider-Man yeah. into that, I would say, $150 million window because yeah. it's it's a huge property, biggest MCU film since Endgame. And to be honest with you, there's, there's nothing else out there that's going to draw that way. 
Especially, yeah, because when we look at it, this is the first time Spider-Man's touching that December mm-hmm. release date. Granted, it is um, a pandemic that we're in, but Spider-Man's always stayed around that July kind of release. Yeah. You saw, obviously, what Aquaman did, and even into the Spider-Verse and mm-hmm. the Star Wars franchise. This could be really good for Spider-Man. Yeah. It'll be something special for sure. Well, this that could be your yeah. first true, you know, mid-pandemic, whatever we're in, whatever you want to call it, pandemic era, where you're not seeing a huge impact from the pandemic itself. I mm-hmm. think that's going to be the first film. I'm not sure if Dune's going to do that. I'm not sure if even Matrix 4 and that. But that Spider-Man movie, given the results we're seeing from these Marvel movies already, that could be mm-hmm. your first $100 million plus debut for sure. But you could be yeah. sailing north or at least maybe equivalent to what you would expect that film to do pre-pandemic. So, Carlos, what is what does this performance for Venom mean? You know, we, we just talked about No Way Home. And the implications for that. What about Eternals? What about Dune? And and what about WB's decision here earlier in the year to go full day and date release on HBO Max? A couple months ago, this still seemed like an awesome decision on the part of the WB execs. Now, as we move into what are arguably some of the biggest months of the film release year, especially as we get into that December time slot, what does this mean for, for everything now that we're seeing these pretty reasonable performances out of what I'm going to say is still branded film content. We haven't had a true bonafide original release like maybe Dune is going to be to test the waters of the general audience and of the box office inside of the pandemic era. Yeah, well, Dune's a great example. Like it's crushing it overseas where there's no HBO Max and no day and date release and like you said it it was a gift to users out there and to film fans the way WB was doing business Mm -hmm. when we were at the height of the pandemic but now that things have opened up again they kind of shot themselves in the foot so I think they only have two more big releases being Dune and The Matrix but uh, what do you do you you can't double back on the promise that you made people and unfortunately Dune's going to take a hit but it made a load of money overseas and hopefully people decide to go see it in the theaters. But the reality is, is that a, if you can watch something for free at home, you're going to right? like we went and saw venom. It was like 60 bucks for us to go see venom. If I have HBO max coming into my house, it's pretty easy to justify just click and play kind of thing. And then you also get that piracy factor too, with HBO max mm-hmm. where within two hours of the movie dropping on there, there's hundreds of high def um, streams available for people who are so inclined to do that kind of stuff. So yeah, it is what it is. I I hope that HBO max grew at a pace that um, can see some of these things flourish and that things like the suicide squad did um, uh, enough uh, business on the platform and generate enough interest that we can kind of see those things blossom with Dune that we get the sisters spinoff series and that we get the second part of the movie and whatnot. So yeah, it is what it is. I half wouldn't be surprised if they push the matrix to January 1st, (laughs) because I think that movie or that trailer at least really surprised people with Mm -hmm. um, myself included. (laughs) Yeah. With just like the, the fire that it lit on the internet. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, decisions are made. Jason Kilar will probably lose his job, but we got the Snyder cut. So I don't know. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's not all doom and gloom from that perspective. Like I think 
I don't I don't know if they're ever going to be able to quantify the effect on HBO Max for mm-hmm. these day and dates. And so, yes, they're going to take a hit at the box office. And there's probably some form of quantification you could do. Of, okay, Dune saw should have done this based on if it's overseas revenue, based off of what it did or didn't do inside of the U.S. But how can you actually measure what eyes is put onto that streaming service? And so that's going to yeah. be the most difficult part about all this, right? If if Disney say had done the same thing with the rest of their films, I'm sure you're gonna you're gonna see an increase, especially towards the back half of the year with Shang Chi, Eternals, and No Way Home. And how do you quantify that over years potentially, right? As opposed to immediate revenue loss in the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, even like Free Guy did really well for them, and that was one that they only put it in theaters because they had to. Mm-hmm. Because if it dropped on streaming right away, it would have had to go to uh, HBO, if I'm not mistaken, because yeah. that's who the Fox distribution deal was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like Venom's Venom's really painting a picture that the theatrical model is alive and well. And I know my daughter's friend works for uh, the local theater chain here, and she was saying that um, No Time to Die is the busiest for pre-sales that she's seen it since she started working at that theater two oh, years wow. ago type of thing so she's kind of worked there the whole pandemic era i guess and yeah she said it's blown the doors off of venom and they've added like tons of showings and interesting like even the imax up by you guys is sold out so wow. yeah I, I i will predict this as well as venom did this week i think it'll have one of the biggest drops ever <laughs> with <laughs> between like kind of the word of mouth uh which seems to be a bit middling and then uh, no time to die coming out, which word of mouth has been strong, and there's way more interest in it than actually I even thought there was going to be. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens. We certainly will, and that's going to be another tester, right? Because it's it is a franchise, and this is Craig's last outing as the title character of James Bond. But again, this this goes to show that the the individuals sitting here aren't always <laughs> the best litmus test for for all this. Because I have zero interest in this bond film and here it is potentially going to blow the doors off of everything we've seen in the pandemic <laughs> so oh yeah man well and i'm on the opposite end of that spectrum i actually took a few hours off work and there was like some oddball showtime and i was like i'm gonna be the one guy sitting in this theater so <sighs> sounds nice. like a dream for me nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. all right guys let's let's just jump straight into the spoiler section of this discussion and i'm gonna hang out here guys i have not seen the movie so my input is going to be very, very slim on this one, but I am going to act as the moderator for this, bringing in the two gentlemen you also have at the table here to discuss Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Now, I'm okay to hear spoilers, but if you're not, head a little later on the episode, catch Our Weekend Nerd, and come back when you have watched Venom in the theaters or like I'm probably going to do on Netflix in like six months' time. No, no cracking on the film or anything like that. It's just I'm waiting for Ghostbusters and Eternals and all that, and I'll go for the theater for that. But for this film, I can honestly say I wasn't overly impressed by the trailers. But I got to hear your guys' thoughts here. Now, we've had lots of discussions about these trailers and what this film is. None of us were huge fans of Venom 1. And the trailers really didn't sell me even enough to to take the little bit of risk to go to the theater 
this past weekend. So, Carlos, let's do this. I'm, I'm stealing from your normal your normal review formula here, but release the pressure a little bit. Give us a couple sentences on Venom Let There Be Carnage. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> man. That's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, I've been bottling that one up all day. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I was cautiously optimistic. Uh, I think the trailer's... Uh, give you a, a baseline as to what you're going to get. And like this movie would have been the greatest comic book movie ever if it came out in 1996. <laughs> but the, the way the, the story was written and the pacing and the character work, it's like, man, Batman and Robin was kind of the last film that you could get away with that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, there's stuff that's fun in it, but it's, I don't know. Like I literally turned to my wife in kind of the first second act and I was like, this is terrible. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, Troy, you just cracked a beer yeah, to give your one sentence and had a, had a little swig there off mic. So well, let's hear yours. Are you going to temper a bit of, of Carlos's kind of one phrase <laughs> review of Venom? Or are you sitting a line? Like, do we have to pull in Sonny if, if you can find him again to, to really bring some balance here? But <laughs> where do you sit on this one? Well, you know, okay. So going off the first Venom, I was I was let down pretty hard. So going into this film, my expectations were lowered a lot drastically a lot but you know the first trailer didn't work for me but the second trailer there was something about it that that humored me and i was like okay you know what like <laughs> this is what it is i just gotta accept this kind of venom and venom's already had a hard time selling to me as it is as a comic book uh as a character as of late though that the, the the um the uh donny gates is uh or donny kate sorry that run's been awesome so mm. there was a lot of work for me to be sold on lowered my expectations and i, I gotta say like it's, it's not a great film but midway through the film, I had this kind of weird, like, thought. I mentioned it to Sonny. I'm like, you know what? Like, if I go into this film looking at it, like, Jim carries the mask. And I love the mask. But if I go in there with, like, that kind of, like, eye, it it works for me. If I go in there being, like, this isn't really the Venom that I think I know. It's, like, that buddy cop film with one person. It it it, it was, it did something. It's It's not a good film by any means. I really feel like if you like the first one a lot, you will probably like this one. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the first one that much, but I lowered my expectations. And I really thought Venom himself was funny. He's not the Venom that I would want to see, but he actually really made me laugh. And then and Carlos here challenging his inner Venom really <laughs> worked for me. And that's the kind of stuff that Venom was doing throughout the film that I, I couldn't help but laugh. So um, I think Venom and Tom Hardy is the standout in this film. We'll get to the post credit scene, but this film really isn't that good. I think Cassidy was a big letdown. Mm -hmm. I really feel like Woody Harrelson's great, but I feel like you should be just as scared as of, of Cletus Cassidy with or without the symbiont. And in this film, I wasn't terrified from him at all with or without the suit. I thought the CGI looked great, great on him, but his presence and his whole motive was very lacking. And like, and like Carlos here mentioned, it's, it's something from the nineties. This film is completely something from the mid to even maybe late nineties. And it's just, it hasn't evolved with these other comic book films that we have. And I know there's obviously an audience for it, but with the content we're getting now, I really did wish we got something more, 
but I think they found their footing and this is kind of what they're sticking with because this movie makes money and the last one made a lot of money. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of people that dig this, this tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. even in my household, like I wasn't like two of us didn't love it. And ironically myself and my youngest who actually liked Venom, the first Venom more than the other two, but my wife and my oldest thought it was great. In fact, she wants to go see it again sometime soon. And I was like, Oh shoot. Well, you can use some <laughs> gift card that your grandma gave you because I'm not paying for that. <laughs> but what, what are the pieces here, and you touched on this, Troy, that seem to be getting praise from the reviews that dropped the day before <laughs> Venom was released was this relationship, this buddy cop relationship, as you put it, between Venom and Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. So, Carlos, does that relationship work? Does it evolve from Venom 1 to a space where it needs to be to continue to push on this character. Cause if you're centering around this and we're, we'll get to the end credit scene because I may or may not have seen that mm-hmm. this, this is a, a big piece of that universe that needs to work going forward. You have to believe this relationship and that it can go dark or it can stay in this lighter heart tone. Does it work enough for you in this and maybe elaborate on some of the stuff that does or, or doesn't for you? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of of two minds about it. Like, I think Tom Hardy did an incredible job with his performance, like playing off himself and, and Venom was hilarious. Like there was tons of times that I laughed and it was like, he he's just so ridiculous. And I'm not one of those guys that needs grimdark Venom. Like uh, one of my favorite panels ever of him was like when he teams up with Spider-Man for the first time and he's singing strangers in the night. Like it just makes me <laughs> laugh to this day. So that's not really my problem with it. It's just like, there was so little character work done on the part of Eddie Brock. Yeah. And you didn't really have a baseline. And the first movie was bad for it too, where it's like, where we've crash landed on earth. We're going to be taken over. And then I climb to the top of this building and I look around at the lights of San Francisco and I decide that I'm going to totally go against the rest of my species and save the earth. And so there was lots of stuff like that where, um, Eddie has no agency and he has, he's kind of directionless. He doesn't even have a character and he's just kind of this vehicle to take Venom from place to place. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't really ever get a sense of what he's all about or where he wants to go. And I don't know that that was actually the point of the movie. Like you never, like they kind of played up that he's trying to keep things on the DL and not get arrested. But at the same time, he's still in a pretty high profile job and he goes mm-hmm. through this like redemption thing with his journalism which was weird too uh, because of Cassidy and it just it very much felt like these are necessary things that we need to do to just get us to an hour and 10 minutes so we can have 20 minutes at the end of Venom and Carnage pounding on each other type of thing mm-hmm. so yeah it it would have worked better for me and I think it could have been great if Eddie had a character mm-hmm. at all but he, he's just kind of there and he's he works well as a punching bag for venom but uh and, and kind of like i did like the rom-com type of like reunion that they go through uh in the movie and i think there was something interesting there but they could have played up on the whole symbiosis thing and then how um cletus and the carnage symbiote don't have that and they kind of do all this weird stuff with like Venom trying out different people and all this other stuff, yeah. but they don't actually play with the 
with the fact that he can't bond with any of them and he keeps burning them out when the story needs him to but when the story doesn't need him to he can be part of mrs chen as long as he wants he can be part of Anne as long as he wants so it's just i don't know like i think there was a better story like right there for you if yeah. you just took the time to tell it but yeah it is what it is <laughs> yeah yeah what, what about your thoughts here troy and i also want you to bring in this concept that I thought they were going to go, and it's interesting, Carlos, you said they didn't, with Cletus Cassidy and the Carnage symbiote and how you could maybe juxtapose those two, yin and yang, or what you could do to, to show a difference between those two. Do they ever go down that path in the film, Troy? Well, it's, it's a missed opportunity because they try, and we don't get that till the very end. And <laughs> I feel like if they held on to that more, it would have been great because you basically have – with all these games that Cletus has been playing with Eddie, at the end of the day, he found himself most interested in Eddie, almost like a brotherhood that he wanted with Eddie, like a relationship. Like he's never had that friend, that companion, and he wanted that all along with Eddie. And we get a moment where Eddie's almost accepting that, and then Venom comes along and <laughs> well, he does what he does. But I really feel like if the movie held more onto those threads, I think we could have had something interesting with Carnage being a serial killer, sure, but also seeing himself in Venom, Eddie Brock, and trying to kind of almost have like that Zod approach to Kalel, where he's like, he's trying to like embrace him and be like, you know what, you're one of us. Like we can make this work, even though my master plan is kind of crazy, but I'm looking out for you at the end of the day too, because you are a Kryptonian. I really feel like they could have kind of struck on that a bit more, but we don't find that out till the very end of the film. And by then it's just too late. So that groundwork was really missed. There's some things, and I and I I guess it's Andy Circus that directed this, right? But there's some things too, like um, how Venom himself as a character is someone that's uh, I don't want to say going through an identity crisis, but he kind of wants to be seen more. Like Tom Hardy is the one at the forefront; he's the writer. He's seen all over the world, or at least in San Francisco. And Venom's kind of like this backdrop. So Venom's struggle is like I want to kind of be more than just this dark figure vigilante and i feel like if they kind of went more with that too and dug in more instead of giving us like these silly like rave scenes which was really really bizarre like <laughs> i've seen like, the commercial like worse than venom <laughs> driving a truck you know it was it was it was something else um so there's just some like weird directions that they went where i'm like i see what you're trying to do but why not just take your time and go there but at the same time too as a 90 minute film and I got to say, for it being 90 minutes, I'm, I'm glad it was. I'm glad this movie wasn't really any longer because the pace for me, in a sense, kind of worked for it being 90 minutes because it's just bang, 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 as opposed to, like, if they took their time in any other scenes, it would have been absolutely ridiculous, like Venom making breakfast and stuff like that and making a making a complete mess in his house and them getting in fights in their own apartment and things like that but there's just some really cool little things they do in there like like venom using his symbiont powers to like sketch out things that he's locked down in his brain to help tom hardy do his like investigating like there's like these weird little glimmers on like this is this is great and then they yeah. go so far away from it and it's just like guys like who's writing this yeah. what's your team it, what's going on here and it was so weird like to that scene where v venom is is investigating this thing and he's got his finger on the pulse for what Cassidy's plan is going to be. But then Eddie Brock, who's supposed to be this investigative journalist, and not only in this movie, but in the previous movie, like he was quite well known and really successful. And he's a complete idiot. Like he, 
he has this moment where he just he can't even take the first steps into figuring out what's going on because Venom has left him, and it's like, well, what? And then yeah. I also thought it was weird when the whole theme of the movie is kind of the the bonding, yeah. And they don't play up the fact that historically in the comics and everything else is that Cletus and Carnage have really good synergy together because they're both so sadistic and are mm. killers. And I think that's your story where Eddie and Venom need to get on the same page if they want to have a chance of beating Carnage. But they kind of yeah. played it the opposite where they beat Carnage because Carnage and Cletus are not on the same page. Right. And I just, I thought it was weird. And that, like a lot of that comes down from having their version of Shriek in the movie mm-hmm. who was really just a plot device. And I don't know, man, it was... It was weird. And then setting up Toxin at the end, I was like, no. But can we lock on? Because there's something really important here with Shriek. You bring up Shriek and like, this is huge. This is huge because in this movie, and and Carlos, you must must have noticed it, but Shriek in this film, she blatantly says that she has a mutation. Like mutants really are introduced in, in this Sony world. That she has a mutation and she's being sent off to somewhere else where there's others like her. Like that's, that's big, I think, for mutants. We've been talking about WandaVision, the mutants, when they're going to pop up and when they're going to pop up and all these things. But then here we are with like this Venom film and like the M words drop. Like she says mutation. This is not miracle, nothing like that. Like mutation. I was just like, wow, that yeah. happened. So I thought that was pretty cool. You saw Kevin Feige just went, oh. <laughs> what did you well, say? Yeah, it was... <laughs> Amy! It interesting that they went that way because she's a symbiote in the books, right? Well, I think she's a symbiote, but she's a mutant in the in the comics too, isn't she? Like she's a symbiote, but isn't she a mutant first? And then and yeah. then she um she gets the mute or she's a mutant first, but then she gets the symbiote as, as well. I thought she was a a proper mutant because doesn't she kind of look like um Domino almost? Before she gets the costume, yeah, she's got like blue skin and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there might actually yeah. be even two characters, like a shriek and a scream. Right, 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 right. I don't know. Yeah, those nineties. Yeah. She's she, she's a pretty poor character. She she wasn't very good in this film. And her motive towards the end of the film, how she just changed it all on a light switch and wanted to do good. I was like, what? Like, where did this even come from? Like, I can't. It's a big pet peeve of mine in these films where someone just gradually becomes good at the very end and has like this glimmer of hope. That's like, you know what? Everything I've done is bad. I'm going to be a good guy now before I say my farewells. And I'm just like, nah, it's not really earned. <laughs> the, the 10 yeah. second redemption. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, yeah. they needed to set up the climax and uh, seed toxin, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now does, does Woody Harrelson work in the role of Cletus Cassidy carnage here? Cause my first impression of it when we saw the end credit scene at Venom, and again, guys, just to clarify, I have not seen this movie, but does he work? Because my impression from the trailers was that he was a bit old for the role, and he seemed to not do that one-to-one to Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock, that it, it he felt out of place, and you see Woody Harrelson in that role. Is he able to blend into this Cletus Cassidy role? Is he able to not stick out as Woody Harrelson inside of Venom 2? No, not for me. Like, you could see that Andy Serkis and whoever else made this movie was like, we love natural born killers, just do that. And you can (laughs) pretend that this gal is Juliette Lewis. Like, it was, and it was kind of laughable when he's running around in his suit with his toupee and, like, beating guys up. And, like, like my kid who's a big Spidey honk, 
she hated like she hated this movie because like Venom or Carnage turned her off so bad. She's like, yeah, I liked it, but I just never want to see that Carnage again. He's terrible. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and the symbiote was weird too. Like just the way it talked and its personality mm-hmm. wasn't great. Like it, I don't know. It it was weird. It was like they wanted the natural born killers character to be in there and it's like we'll just kind of massage carnage into fitting that yeah no i i agree i I feel like there was moments actually i think the best um carnage ever looked was probably in the trailer because when you see him in the film they kind of run into like that angly hulk problem where his scale is always changing like one minute he's huge the next minute he's like shorter than venom his scale was really bothering me he had some really weird like tornado move that he did in the prison cell that was really <laughs> it was it was horrible like ugh. Oh. i don't know what they're thinking with that one um and the voice even for him was kind of off but like but for me like i can even see past the actual like presentation of carnage it was woody Harrelson that really didn't work for me and i actually was a believer i thought he could have been something pretty cool maybe if it was 10 years ago and maybe if they didn't go the route of what they did i feel like he has the acting chops but he, i think he's just misdirected Kind of like how Jamie Foxx is misdirected as playing uh, Max Dillon. Mm-hmm. And they're completely different performances. But I just feel like they both have the potential to play that character. But the director had other plans. And I just, again, I never felt threatened from Carnage. And I never felt the threat from Woody. Didn't hmm. work for me. Hmm. What about the CGI? Yeah. Because a lot of this film depends on quality CGI to make what I'm assuming is, and like you said, Carlos, a several fights and then a blow off at the end where the two of them go head to head symbiote style, all sorts of, of craziness in the CGI space. And now you've got someone like Andy circus, who's in the director's chair here, who has been put on a pedestal for his ability to act in those roles. And at some point maybe has some influence on movements on what works on screen. Is he able to translate that success onto or into the Venom and in particularly the CGI and the symbiote fights? I thought it was okay. Like, it looked pretty similar to what they did in the first movie. All uh, dark all the time? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. Like, every single scene of the symbiotes takes place at night kind of thing. Yeah. Aside from the Eddie apartment scene stuff, which mm-hmm. is the same as the first movie. And, yeah. Like the it, beach. We got one beach scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at the end. At the end. I forgot about that one. It, it looked okay, it, like a lot of CGI mess, but you could follow. You could at least always follow one of the two characters. Okay. So if Carnage was throwing stuff at Venom, you could follow Venom. Or if um, they showed Carnage um, kind of going on the attack or whatever, you could see him type of thing. So it wasn't as sensory overload as the first one was at the end, but mm-hmm. um, nothing to write home about either. Like if... Uh, I don't know if if you end up seeing this movie on Netflix. I don't think you're any further behind than we were seeing it in the theater. Interesting, interesting. What about what about some highlights for this? Because clearly it's it's landed with a lot of people. Why what was successful about this? Like why are people clamoring for this the first weekend? Is it the absence of film, or is there something in here that works? Well, I mean, again, I guess going off of the first film, a lot of people that had enjoyment with that one will definitely find himself attached to this film i i do really think the tone works for that 90 window frame um there are some cool moments of watches well, i guess there's only one moment but um cletus cassidy's flashback 
how it's kind of written in like mm-hmm. blood. I thought that was kind of interesting take because it's something that was done completely different than what we've seen in this film or even the prior film before. So there's things like that were neat. I think I think the combat was an upgrade from the first one, like the fighting, the the final end battle was something kind of cool. It was like a lot easier on the eyes seeing like the red and black go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I just really think like, you know, Venom versus Carnage is is a big deal. A lot of people have been wanting to see this, especially when it comes to live action. And no matter how much I don't like the first one, it's never going to be as bad as Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 Venom. So a lot of people <laughs> will, will forever put that in a box and, and glamour, you know, towards this. So it, it, it does some things. And like I mentioned before, there are some missed opportunities that could have been worked on a little bit more. But uh, for the most part, yeah, man. I think if you like that first one, if you love that first one, you're you're gonna you're gonna be in for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carlos, high spots here before we wrap this up, unless there's any other final thoughts. But let's let's hear some of your high points on this one. Uh, you know what? Like, I I do have a soft spot for Venom, as you as you know from being over here on Sunday. Like, <laughs> I, I love Venom. Like, I bled for that guy. But uh, yeah, the movie's not great. But I, I did find him hilarious. Like he he made me laugh, and um, yeah, there was lots of lots of cute little moments with him, and some of the stuff they did with Anne and with Dan, her new fiance and whatnot, and Eddie and Venom trying to reconcile that. I thought that was pretty clever as well. Yeah. So the the love triangle or rhombus or whatever it would be in this case was was neat. So that that was a a high point, and it was pretty different than. A lot of other comic book movies, it's not great, but it's, you know, it's harmless fun if you decide to throw it on some Saturday afternoon. Hmm, sounds exactly what I'm going to be doing <laughs> someday <laughs> down the road here. Now, again, not seeing this film, I'm not sure if I'm missing much here, but it might be time to to bring your final thoughts to the table and your letter grade for this. So let's go over to Carlos first. Let's hear your final thoughts on Venom, Let There Be Carnage, and also include here anything that that we've missed in this relatively short discussion with the caveat that we are going to get to the end credit scene here, um, which I will share what Troy told me about it (laughs) in in just a minute here. But let's leave that to the end because it's almost a a completely separate and potentially longer discussion than, uh, than this review here. Yeah, like I, I do think that the end credit scene certainly propped up the reception to the movie for sure. For sure. If they don't have something that um, resonates with people as much as that end credit scene does, I think it's a bit of a different conversation and reception to things. But uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. I definitely wouldn't compel anybody to rush out and spend the money to go see it in the theater. It's a great type of turn your brain off Netflix type movie, and uh, you know what? It gets uh, probably a bit lower, but like based on how much uh, a couple people in my family liked it, I'll give it a C, a C for carnage and for crap, (laughs) but carnage. (laughs) Troy, final thoughts and letter grade here. Yeah, man. You know, uh, like I mentioned before, going into this film, my expectations were drawn down quite a bit. And by doing so, I actually had a lot more fun with this film than I thought. Um, I think Venom's humor was just absolutely hilarious. Like, just, it's almost like a parody on the Venom that I thought I knew. And with that, it it was fun. 
it was a lot of fun just, you know, clowning this guy or him being clowned. Um, I don't necessarily recommend going out to theaters to see this, but that after credit scene, if you can see it within the next couple of weeks and get that crowd reaction, it's something special because that was all kinds of hype. Um, my letter grade, I, I give it a C plus. I did enjoy this one more than the first one because I knew what I was in for. I think the special effects were an upgrade. I thought the combat was better. I thought the humor was better. The shots, for the most part, were better. I don't know if though if Carnage was a better villain, to be honest, though, than uh, he was than Ahmed. Same there. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but at least like I I saw where uh, he was coming from in the first one. This one, I mean, I guess he's a serial killer, but even then, it was just so wishy washy. Mm-hmm. They couldn't quite commit to him being a for real serial killer. So. Um, yeah, I think this would be great, actually, though. Played in the background with a bunch of your boys, and you, you hear Venom in and out dropping F-bombs. It's it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. So I give it a C plus and wait for it to drop on Netflix. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great, guys, because it's funny. I About halfway through this conversation, I thought to myself, I wonder if I can get the whole way through this review and still feel like I have not seen the film. And I still feel like I just watched the trailers after having you guys... <laughs> review that now it may be tempered by by the way that the review is conducted here but i still don't feel like anything has been spoiled for me (laughs) no man if you watch that first trailer you've essentially seen the movie like you can draw a line through that trailer and it matches the movie this this is effectively a spoiler free review in my opinion (laughs) and here comes the spoilers because the end credit scene a literally earth-shaking end credit scene. One I have, in fact, seen. I had it spoiled for me, and so I went and watched it. Wherever I went and watched it. Maybe it was on a theater. Who knows where it was where I saw this. But I did see it. Now, Troy, you spoke of the audience reaction to this. Yes. Walk me through this a little bit, because I believe in the DM you said this not only saved the movie, but potentially saved the franchise. A yes. two-minute end credit scene at the end of an hour and a half, a 90-minute movie was saved by yeah. something that is completely not out of context, but it does has nothing to do with the movie from what I can understand here. So walk me through this a little bit as to, to what you saw and how the crowd reacted. Well, yeah, 100% it did because, you know, um, when you go all in with Carnage – where do you go from here? Especially when Carnage is killed at the end of this film. I was like, what else are you going to do here? Seeing that post credit scene, I was like, okay, they put a lot more life into this franchise of Venom. Um, Sonny and I, we were there watching this and we're watching the, the after credit scene. And we're getting this other kind of televised show, kind of like a young and the restless going on. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. And then we get that light dimmer. And right away, my eyes go right back to that TV, and I'm I'm nudging Sonny like, dude, look at that screen. That's 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 J. Joe and Jameson. It's the green screen, and he's like, oh my god. And then like we get that close up of the actual screen, and J. Joe and Jameson, that classic voice, talking about Spider Man being a menace, and his identity has been revealed. And we are like, we are making so much noise because like the crowd was was a good crowd. It was pretty packed, and we we're all laughing. But when that scene dropped, I'm, I'm telling you, it was it was the closest thing I felt to that end game wow. when it comes to a when it comes to a post credit like the crowd was just alive people were just raving and like everybody knew that's the last credit scene but everybody just kind of sat there 
almost like the Joker, but more positive, where you're just like, what did I just witness? People just sat there for a little bit, just like taking it all in, and you could just see everybody's brain thinking. And um, it was amazing, man. That that post credit scene I thought was so well done. And um, man, I, I I love I love what Venom was dropping. He was dropping some of that knowledge too about he's had all these experiences or, or past knowledges of um, all these different universes, right? Basically, multiverses. So somewhere along the line, I'm I'm, I'm guessing. I guess we will get into it. I want to hear Carlos's experience too. Mm-hmm. But my brain was just working hard after all this because i was like man save the movie save the franchise 100%. (laughs) yeah the end credit scene definitely got me hyped for what's coming forward like i i rolled my eyes when i saw the setup for toxin i was like no what are you doing like we're gonna have the big mess again with like the messiest looking symbiote you could get with his like weird hair on his back and then uh we get that post-credit scene and my crowd was a lot more subdued than Troy's, but it was it was a bit of a family crowd and uh, a few older people and stuff like that. So uh, nobody was going crazy and cheering or anything like that. But you could tell everybody was sucked in and everybody was like, kind of, what's going on? Like, why why is J. Jonah Jameson here? And then you get Tom Holland's Spider-Man. But I was really excited with the segue that we get into uh, seeing Jonah and... Spidey on there with Venom talking about his experiences as one of the Clintar and all the things that they've done and that he has familiarity with the concept of a multiverse yeah, and that he may or may not have interacted with Spider-Man or a Spider-Man and it'll be a reverse engineered way of having a history between Venom and Spider-Man when they eventually meet and then having a, a relationship type of thing so it is what it is. It's kind of what you were left with based with the decision to launch a Venom universe and then let Disney handle what was going on with Spider-Man. But I was I was pretty sold right away on where they're taking it. And a lot of it is because of the work that they did in Loki and kind of some mm-hmm. of those things that we saw in WandaVision and uh, the No Way Home trailer. But yeah, I'm kind of excited that Venom will be in on what's going on, but Eddie won't be. So I, I'm kind of digging that whole idea. And and really, if this is what it takes to having these guys meet up and clash and team up and whatever, um, it is what it is. Like, honestly, my very first thought was of Troy and saying, yes, brother, I'm so glad that I waited on that Venom hot toy because now I'm going to get one <laughs> yes. with the white spider. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, it's coming it's coming yeah because <laughs> yeah we were kind of going back and forth he's like oh, are you gonna pull the trigger on this i was like man i'm just holding out hope that we get that crossover and like he just has to see him and that'll be the justification they need for that white spider that's what i need mm. that's what i need well well something big's happening right so it seems that during the scene there's some catalyst event that happened elsewhere because the first time I watched it, it kind of frames it in a way where it makes you think that whatever Venom is going to do to show him is what is causing the rattling and all that. And then Venom reacts to it about something that's happened. He changes completely where he is. And then, like you guys said, we see Tom Holland on the screen and J. Jonah Jameson, clearly from the MCU version at the end of, of No Way Home. Now, what this means, I think, just foundationally, is that 
Venom is now inside of the MCU. That was my interpretation of it, that he skipped from his universe over to the MCU. And it's going to be interesting to see what this means, because it seems like there is an amalgamation into the MCU of all the Spider-Verse characters at this point in time. Not necessarily meaning that they're all going to be in No Way Home, but there seems to be everything coming down to maybe Marvel Prime timeline in this for for whatever reason. So what does what does this mean for for Venom and what does this mean for the Sony-verse? I know we all got kind of some idea of what it could mean for the future of these franchises, but but Troy, what does this specifically mean do you think for for No Way Home? This is the movie where we're where we have been talking for for like two years or whatever it's been about what this actually is all the rumors of garfield and mcguire coming back we saw this trailer where we have doc ock in teases of electro jamie fox's electro teases of the green Mm -hmm. goblin so all of these pieces coming from what now could be three different spider verses raimi Mm -hmm. garfield and the venom verse all amalgamating now inside of the mcu some capacity so does this change your expectations for no way home is Venom going to be in No Way Home? <laughs> well, my, my expectations just got a lot higher, man. I was already blown away with what we've seen from No Way Home. Now it's just that much higher. I think this also completes... I think this might complete the Sinister Six of some sort of fashion with Venom. If he does appear in this film, I think we have six enemies on the table to play with, which could be pretty cool. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence by any means that Venom drops knowledge about the fact that well, he kind of has that hive mind, right? When he goes to, like the Null comics, because Null created like the symbionts, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what universe you're in. From what I take it, whatever experience they've had or encounters they've had, it's passed on to the other symbionts. So if some other universe, a Venom encountered Spider-Man, the Tom Hardy Venom would somehow know about it, and he he mentions that to Tom Hardy, like your tiny brain wouldn't comprehend this because it's just so it's so bombastic. So with that being said, I mean, it could very well be if they want to go down the Sam Raimi-verse, that Venom that encountered that Spider-Man, well, this Venom would know that. Or just the simple fact, like, there's there's another one, because we're all thinking, like, he is in the MCU, and I, and I and I think he's definitely in the MCU, but, but what if Tom Holland's character, for whatever reason, was never actually part of the MCU? Like, he never actually belonged there. Like, so, for instance, when he says, like, that guy... Um, Venom looking at that Spider-Man if there's something that that Venom knows about Tom Holland's Spider-Man and he actually belongs in the Sony-verse so it's kind of meta because we do know that Spider-Man belongs in the Sony-verse the Sony world he's owned by Sony but if Tom Holland actually does belong in the Sony world and Venom has something about it like if he knows I don't know because we do also have the Madame Web film coming out too like Sony's been kind of setting out all these other different things that we all thought was disconnected from this universe. But if they have actually been working with the MCU to bring back Spider-Man, which is something I don't want, but I mean, if it's kind of out there and like, what if Madame Web actually put Tom Holland out there in the first place? I don't know. Or there's another, another fact that it could be like the amazing Spider-Man. Like we do know that Venom was meant to be an amazing Spider-Man. So if the amazing Spider-Man universe actually is like this Tom Hardy world, and he might've already had an encounter with him, he knows, but Bottom line is, was what I'm getting at, is that that hive mind, Venom, somehow, some way, already knows of Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And I think there's something there that kind of gives you that jump start of why there's some kind of beef between the two of them. 
So it's 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 going to be interesting. It's it's Oof. it's so, earth shattering. Yeah. This is this is crazy. To say the this least. To say crazy. the least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Carlos, <laughs> again, same question to you. What does this mean? What does this mean? I think it means that we're going to see a cake and eat it two scenario with the MCU and Spider-Man where Tom Holland will be able to jump into whatever the MCU needs him to be in, but that he is going to be doing his thing in the Sony Spider-Verse through all those properties, like, which is awesome. I think it's time now, like we've had Spider-Man in the MCU for a while and we've seen him interact with pretty much every single character that there is. And, you know, we've seen him have these really cool moments with the Avengers, but we haven't actually got him thriving on his own, left his own devices. And, and that's kind of the Spider-Man that I'm longing for. So I think that he'll be doing his thing. We'll get some of those traditional Peter Parker Spider-Man stories going forward. We'll get him versus Craven. We'll get him popping up in the silver and black type of stuff if you need to have him in that. We'll definitely get him in the Venom movies that we uh, see going forward. And then I think the odd time that you need him in the MCU, you just pop him into whatever Avengers movie or uh, if you have like a Daredevil crossover or something like that. And who knows, maybe they'll draw attention to the fact that he's crossing over multiverses. And he does it whenever they need to have it done, kind of like with um, Supergirl in the CW. She actually existed on a different Earth than the Flash, mm-hmm. but they kind of had them set up so that whenever they wanted to make the jump, it was no big deal. Um, or they just all exist there, but Sony never acknowledges the MCU stuff, and MCU never acknowledges the Sony stuff until they want to. And they're all in the same New York, but you don't necessarily have them layering on top of each other all the time so mm. drop yeah. lines these type of things ah, i fought this symbiote thing tom hardy or tom holland at one point just says to dr strange <laughs> do, do you guys think though there's a coincidence here because Null Null is like a pretty fresh character um and has been received pretty well and we also do know jason aaron's massive book thor god of thunder who introduces us to um, the God Butcher, mm-hmm. right? The sword. Mm-hmm. And we do know that sword ties to the symbiont uh, lineage. And we have Thor, Love and Thunder coming up soon. Is there any chance like this Venom? Because Venom does mention in, in some way or form, like Carlos even mentioned, he does kind of drop knowledge about Null. So do you think there's a possibility that like, the Venom could also connect to even the Thor coming out? I mean, the bad guy himself is in that film. That well yeah, the sword. I don't know that they'd go that deep with it myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios probably wants less ties to whatever Sony's doing as opposed to yeah. more. Um, right. And honestly, like, watching Venom 2, that was one of my thoughts. I was like, our boy Kevin Feige would never abide by what I'm seeing <laughs> on the screen right now. Like, when Venom's, like, drawing those things, like, <laughs> his hands are moving. I was like, what is this? Do you think we get a different Venom, though, from what we have here? Like, I feel like Sony's kind of done what they wanted with this character. Could we get, like, a better written Venom going into the MCU? Like, I think they kind of do a soft kind of, like, rewrite They have the a character? precedence now, him jumping universes or a mechanism, yeah. maybe, to change the character if they want. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah, he'll be written the way that they need him to do to fit their sensibilities, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. sure. I think it'll still be the same Tom Hardy Venom, but at the same token, I wouldn't be surprised if we just see Venom and we never see Eddie. Mm-hmm. 
mm. like, go like full Ruffalo mm. Hulk in Endgame. <laughs> mm-hmm. <It was> just him. <laughs> <laughs> now, for for me, when I watch this, uh, in stepping back and looking at what we've seen with Loki and what we're anticipating from No Way Home, this actually changes my expectations for what No Way Home is going to be. Because I'm, I'm seeing what is maybe a grander picture now. We go back to our conversations about No Way Home over the last year or so. We, we've talked about, and I know, Troy, you've brought this up, about No Way Home feels like a very quick sprint to an endgame in a Spider-Man story that feels very out of sync with, with what's been done previously in the MCU. And maybe what we're going to see in No Way Home, and I, you go back to our last when I watched the trailer, I said, this is going full Spider-Verse. I'm I'm not thinking that anymore. I I really do think that No Way Home is going to tease what is going to happen in the Sony verse. That live action Spider Verse, I think, is going to be a build up in Sony's world. They're gonna they're gonna get to that where you have Holland and Garfield and Maguire all together in a in a much more cohesive film, like we did get in Spider Verse. And No Way Home is just gonna be a little tease of that. Maybe we just get them Spider-Man at the end or they show up and say, we'll help you, but you got to come help us. I'm not expecting anymore for this to be a massive piece inside of No Way Home. Big end battle, yeah, but I'm still thinking that most of that No Way Home film is going to be an MCU proper Tom Holland Spider-Man film with this stuff sprinkled at the end and Holland being yanked out and them going into something bigger. How this fits Venom into this story about the universe, I don't know because it, that makes a little less sense that they brought him into the MCU. But like I said, maybe there's some amalgamation of all the characters there. And then for whatever reason, they all get spit out into the Sony-verse. And then Sony now runs, similar fashion to what you're saying, Carlos, with all this Spider-Man stuff, but they build to their own event film. Because when you step back and think, why would Sony want a Spider-Verse film, a live-action Spider-Verse film, not exclusively in their shop. It doesn't mm-hmm. make any business sense to me. They want to hold on to that. And so yeah. all this discussion about Garfield and Maguire's really got me thinking that they might only be cameos in No Way Home. They might only mm-hmm. be in it for a very short amount of time. And the trade-off here is Sony or Marvel Studios, you get to keep Holland, tell this third story, Maybe something for for Multiverse of Madness, but after that, we're gonna segue Holland out for now. And you, like you said, Carlos, cake and eat it too. He can come back whenever, but we're gonna run our own story in a parallel universe. But we need this opportunity to set all of this up in No Way Home, and this fits into the grander MC or multiverse MCU multiverse narrative that you're spinning, and it and it helps move that story along. And so I see Sony actually gaining a lot from No Way Home. Uh, where Sony probably didn't gain as much from any of the previous Spider-Man iterations that we've seen since his entry in 2016. Sony hasn't gained a whole bunch there. And I think now is where they're going to pivot out and you're going to start to see them reaping the benefits of the work that Marvel's done for the last five years. Yeah. Well, we've already seen benefits as in in box office or benefits in just the characters. I think in in both, like they're probably whatever cut they get from the box office, but they haven't been able to grow a brand around Spider-Man really in their own sort of controlled universe. All of that branding has gone to the MCU and the MCU storytelling and it's they've really leveraged him there and used him there where Sony is, I don't think has really benefited from a branding perspective 
or a grander story event film in their own universe perspective with Holland Spider-Man at this point. Yeah. Well, and we've already seen a little bit of that kind of stuff with like the tease of Adrian Toomes and Morbius, right? So yes, yeah, which comes yeah, out the Sam Raimi looking Spider Man poster too. Yeah, and that that's one. January, yeah. right? So yeah, and that could be like yeah. the way I look at yeah. that too. Right now is that Morbius is set in the Raimi universe, and you're gonna see him running that story in that Raimi universe, and eventually it's all gonna come together. But that's gonna be in the Sony world. But the agent tombs then that we see in Morbius would he just be essentially a variant? Yeah, you could call him that. I think tombs from right, right, right. Because I guess Spider Man Four we were meant to get an actual Adrian Tombs too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he very well could be. Yeah, yeah. John Malkovich. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the Vultures, an original character. Thank yeah. goodness we didn't get her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there, there's this. This is a. I think you guys had mentioned. Or someone had mentioned Troy, maybe you top three, top five all time end credit scenes, and it fits that. Like this is this is huge because Big. the multiverse yeah. is is a thing, and we know it's a thing. Yeah. But this broad acknowledgement across all of Sony's properties now, I think, with the exception of maybe Morbius, has now been done, and this one is the the most obvious and the first time it's really happened outside of an MCU tease. Like this is Sony yeah. teasing the other way. And so I guess we saw that with Adrian yeah. Toomes, but man, this is this is huge, huge. This, this is big, man. They 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 dropped bombs in this movie. They 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 gave us the mutants, mutations. <laughs> they put Venom in the MCU. I I, I think we're going to get obviously a Spider Man versus Venom coming up. I mean, if if we got Venom versus Carnage, we're obviously going to get a Spider Man versus Venom. So the black suit's coming, man. The black suit's coming. You know, what, baby. boy Pete. Yeah, you got to think of it this way: if this Venom pulls this box office, Noah Helm's gonna do crazy. What what does a Venom versus Spider Man film look like? Oh man, it'd be off the chain. Yeah. And just imagine the action figures that you could sell. Oh my goodness! You want to see me buy my first Venom action figure? <laughs> this is, it's gonna blow the gates off of everything here for me. For this, my very strict MCU. Now, now is it all the same timeline? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, even worst case, they could just have Sony doing their own thing and they just don't cross over until they want to cross over, mm-hmm. right? Like, no different than how the comic books work or, you know, you have The Flash doing his thing in Central City, whereas Batman's yeah. doing his thing in Gotham, mm-hmm. right? And Yeah. So I'm curious with you guys, with your opinions, is this for sure, in your guys' opinions, Tom Holland Spider-Man is going back to Sony after seeing this? Or are you more convinced that Tom Holland is staying in the MCU after this? I think that he's going to be on the periphery of the MCU for sure. Like, I, I mm. think that he's going to be much more disconnected. Mm-hmm. And whether that just means that they just don't mention the other characters um, as far as, like, the Marvel mainstays that Sony doesn't control, or right. if he gets yoinked to his own world with all of his supporting cast. Um, but I do think that he'll be, like, that endgame infinity war type interactions and entrenchment with the avengers i think that's done and yeah, you'll right. you'll see him pop up in a new avengers movie or something like that down the road but i don't think they're building around him and having him um supplement their their other characters in the other movies mm-hmm. I, I i'm in the of the opinion right now based off all the information that we have that holland's out of the mcu for the time being I think it's going to be one of those moments where, you know, if you remember the end of Infinity War, where he just disappears. 
right? And the, the audience is left questioning what that exactly means. I think he's going to spend right. a lot of time in that Sony-verse. But also, I think Multiverse of Madness is going to set up a mechanism, maybe an end credit or something like that, where it's like, you can come back and or we're going to go find you. Something to that effect, right? Mm. Setting up something mm-hmm. bigger where it will lead you to believe. And I don't think it'll happen in No Way Home. I think it's going to be a major cliffhanger. End credit, maybe he pops up and talks to Venom. Or, I don't know. But I think he's gone and Sony's going to run with them for a bit. Uh, but they will set up a mechanism somewhere. I don't think it's any coincidence that, you know, Dr. Strange is in that, that film and he's got this big multiverse of madness stuff kicking up here. They've got to set some ground rules up. If the, if no way home is what breaks it all multiverse of madness mm-hmm. has got to be what fixes it all mm-hmm. and, and sets up that framework so that it's not just this God awful mess going forward and lots of confusion as to who and what and where like they've got, all these teases eventually they have to streamline it so well mm. and you also have like loki and the tva stuff going right yeah. and kang so mm-hmm. that can even be your explanation mm-hmm. where it's like yeah he belongs in this timeline and yeah he'll be there until we need him for something else yeah i think that loki that stabbing sylvie stabbing amortis is the is the event the catalyst event that shakes venom over so that happens right around the Far From Home reveal of Spider-Man's identity, which what brings Venom in? That, that's what you're saying? That's what I'm kind of thinking. Not the yeah. Doctor Strange. Right, right. That it all yeah. all kind of happens around the same time. Because like, to me, the, the shaking and all that, like there's something that did that, huh. right? That jumped him over. And so there has yeah. to be an event. Now, that could be something we see in No Way Home, but that wouldn't really make a lot of sense, given that you know, you could say, oh, this is a report from however many days ago and this is right. just Venom watching it, right? So there's some uncertainty as towards that timeline. Is that live TV right. or not? Who knows? Right. Because it doesn't say exclusive, eh? I don't think there's a, an exclusive drop anywhere in that report. No. So it could be like a rerun of some sort. Or... Yeah. It could even a couple of days yeah. later, right? Like we don't know the timeline yeah. of No Way Home. Does he go straight to Doctor Strange a day or two after the reveal? Or you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it could be something in there. But right now, my head can it's the it's the Mortis dying. That, yeah, that, yeah. that spurs a lot of change. Yeah. Or just yeah. all Mephisto. Mephisto, in there he is. Troy. <laughs> just all Mephisto, man. <laughs> there it is, Mephisto. Well, he's in the comics right now. <laughs> yeah, why not? Oh, man. I'd like, <laughs> just when I thought that the Nick Spencer run couldn't alienate you anymore, I read issue 73 of Amazing oh, Spider-Man. Boy. And it was just, I, I had visions of you just, like, ripping that thing asunder. <laughs> Well, guys, that's that's a great segue here. That, that wraps it up for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. I'm glad I got to participate in that end credit scene. It, it is out there, and so it has been spoiled for you. Go maybe I'm not going to recommend go checking it out, but it is out there. Is all I will well, say. Well, just so this illustrates the actual 90 minute movie versus the end credit scene, yeah. because yeah. we spent more time and we're more engaged talking <laughs> about the end credit scene. <laughs> Then the movie. We got about 30 minutes out of the movie, about 30 minutes out of the, the two-minute end credit scene. <laughs> there you go, folks. Here we go. We've put it into practice for you. All right. Let's jump over to wrap this show up to our Weeks in Nerd. All right. So the plastic has continued to dominate lives here. And... I'm going to actually kick this one off because I got a great story when it comes to plastic anxiety and it and it 
percolating into my family environment. Now, a couple weeks ago or whatever it was, these Marvel minifigs dropped. The Disney Plus Marvel minifigs. They're a single blind bag and there's a dozen or whatever it is that you have to collect. And they are from the Disney Plus Marvel series as well as What If. Now, good friend there, goddamn Batman Carlos, him and his family picked up a couple and sent me some images. I said, ah, you know what? I hadn't really even thought about these. But then something clicked in my head. And we took a stroll to Toys R Us. I picked up five of them, came back, and my daughter and I opened them. And we had a ton of fun doing it. And we got Vision and Wanda and Bucky and had real great success. And so while we're doing this, my wife's watching and kind of enjoying it as well. The thrill of the the blind bag hunt. And so <laughs> I say to her, you're going to Toys R Us to grab one other thing. It was a gift for a friend or something. I said, grab, grab four more and we'll just have a little fun. She says she walked into Toys R Us and she had a true hunt moment. Plastic panic, anxiety at all. She goes in there and scoops up nine because she said oh. there's only like there's only like ten or there's only a dozen left or something. She just went grab them all because she had that moment that we've all had where you walk into a store and you kind of just black out and the plastic takes over. And so she brought them home and we we had a blast as a family opening them up and assembling them. And we are now, I think, three shy of the set. And I have got a trade pending right now. We're getting two more, so I'm only missing the Loki. And we're able to to pull this set together for about 65 bucks, which when you look at it for price-wise for minifigs, it might sound like a lot, but that is one set, one Lego set with probably only three to four minifigs in it that we're getting all of these for. So I actually really like this this style of release, these minifig release, and I love how it's it's kind of penetrated into my entire family and became a family hunt thing over the weekend. I know you guys are having lots of fun with this too, eh, Carlos? Yeah, no, it's been good. And like, thanks so much. You, you bequeath the uh, vampire hunter Spider-Man onto my little girl there. So yeah, she was super happy about that. So she's got him sitting with Wanda and uh, the Gamora or the three that she has. And then I got uh, that Sam Wilson, Captain America on my desk. Yes. So. It's, it's an awesome. Uh, does he have wings? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, he's got the wings. How, how do they stuff. do it? Is like the cape where it's like goes over the neck peg? Like how does that work? No, man. This no, he's is actually like got, wings. Yeah, yeah, he's got like a little bar with like um a hinge on it, and then you just clip the tips of the wings onto the end of the hinge too. It's really? it's not too dissimilar actually from the structure of the build a figure wings for the Marvel Legends. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the zombie cap I also snag, which was one of the only what if ones that I was actually collecting. I ended up going for the whole, the whole run, but the Marvel cap or the <laughs> zombies cap from what if is pretty cool as well. And I got the Peggy too, the captain Carter, which was incredible. So yeah, it's, if you guys are looking for a little fun and they're about five bucks a piece, it, it, it was a really, really great time with those Lego minifigs. I'm so happy that I just jumped. And honestly, when we were there on Saturday or maybe Friday, there's about, I'd say about 80 on the pegs. My wife went back, same store. There's only about a dozen or so. And so they are flying off the shelves, flying off the shelves. I will give you a little advice if you're going for them. In the bags, if you feel another bag inside of it, it's either Wanda or Vision. 
because for whatever reason they come separate packed with a, the cape is separately packed i guess so it doesn't get scratched or damaged by the by the pieces as they roll around and so you can actually feel the second bag inside of it so we ended up actually with three wandas because obviously people were going in and feeling the extra bag and leaving it behind so just a little piece of advice there and and for me to, to wrap it up here, did the Lego minifigs, but I acquired a holy grail this past week. You know, it was something that had been pending, had been in the mail for like three weeks. I put a video up actually on our, on our YouTube page of me opening it, but it is the last set of dinosaurs I needed to complete the 93 Jurassic Park collection, the Coelophysis, two small constrictor dinosaurs. So it's done, guys. My JP93 set dinos is complete. All I need is the helicopter, and I'm done that entire set. Truly a childhood goal of mine ticked off this past week. <laughs> Amazing, man. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That's huge. That is huge. I, I still remember those JP-stepped yes. dinosaurs, and like the skin would come off, and I was like, what is this? This is crazy. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. It's complete. Yeah. Got those complete, and the, the the last dinos, they're not like they're hard to get. They're you can find them on eBay, but it was just I was waiting for the right ones, the right time, and through some selling of figs, I had a bit of cash sitting in PayPal, and it was the right time. It was the right time, and so pleased. You know, the 2021 has been a, a real holy grail year for me because I grabbed that Carnotaurus this year too, which was another childhood dream of mine to have that, and so it's so cool to. To finish off those JP sets, but enough from me, guys. Let's hear what uh, what you guys got up to, Troy. Tell me a bit yeah, uh, about your last couple weeks in plastic. You had to pull the shoot last week, and so you got, yeah. you got two weeks of plastic built up here. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, nothing, nothing like that, man. It's all it's all casual on my end. Nothing, nothing crazy <laughs> like that. No grails. I missed out on a grail two times, two times oh, this week. Yes. I, I needed that Anakin Skywalker Black Series. On the orange card, black box, and I, I blew it twice in one week. But anyways, so I, I managed to pick up. Um, I got uh, I got thick Thor. I got Thor Endgame from um, the oh. what, what's the line? The Infinity Saga line. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's thirty five bucks at EB Games, and I had I had the Edge card right instead instead of the thirty nine. So I definitely recommend if you have that Edge card, mm -hmm. if you can find those figures at your EB Games or your GameStop. Definitely go there because you know you're saving a little bit of cash as opposed to the WalMarts here. They're forty dollars a piece. So I got my hands on him. So I got I got a little cool wave going on. I got the Iron Man, I got the Odin, the Thor, and I got the Cap. I got the Endgame. Well, it's Infinity War Cap, but it's in this whole mm -hmm. kind of saga wave, and and that Cap looks cool. So nice. Um, it's it's a nice figure. It's a really nice figure. Um, back to that three and three quarter man. I keep chasing that retro stuff. I got my hands on Vision and. I don't. I'm not a Vision guy, but there's something about. I always like the Ghost Vision, the all white Vision, mm. but like the simple, like the simplistic look of like the green and red and yellow look of Vision in a three three quarter stature just looks really cool. Like it's 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 really like pleasant to look at. So, I got my hands on that. Um, I got uh, I got what do we have here? I got Lando. I got Lando. Um, yeah, Return of the Jedi Lando came in the uh, from Amazon. Uh, the Return of the Jedi look i think it's like the general lando oh yeah that's i wicked. got him he's a cool figure like lando gets improved every release mm -hmm. um and this one might be my favorite looking one 
He's he's great. He's fantastic. He has like the cloth cape. I think it is too. Oh, it's cloth. Oh, wicked. I think it. I think it is. I think it is. Yeah. So um, I got my hands on him, and uh, I'm drawing a blank on some of the other stuff. Oh, Spider Man 2099. I got Spider Man 2099. So I'm joining the Carlos Club. I got <laughs> I got the Marvel Legends, but I had to get two of them. I had to double dip. I had to get one so it can stay in like that retro purple 90s kind of Fox Kids. Yeah. Uh, wave on that shelf and then I had to take one out of the packaging because I was late to Marvel Legends and I missed out on that original release so I had to get him out and move him around and um, it's cool man it's cool to have a McGill O'Hara because I have like the white suit 2099 but like that's not 2099 he no. needs to be in that blue right so um, yeah I think that was that was it uh, some comics I, I, I'm caught up on Thor Thor is really, really cool in the comics right now. Him being King Thor, but not really able to weld the hammer anymore. Pretty much everybody else can pick up the hammer but Thor. And he's losing his strength in that. And he's also, his memory's going. It's a really cool concept that Thor has been around for so long that him remembering like the Avengers is like what you remember eating like last year. And he breaks that down in the comic, and I'm like, this is kind of a cool take on Thor because he's he's a god and he's been around for so long. And he mentions that he he visits Captain America because Captain America kind of reminds him of certain things, and like that's kind of like his guy, at least in this comic book. And basically, at the end of the comic, he kind of leaves uh, Milnir in the hands of Thor and walks away, or in the hands of Cap and walks away. So I was like, oh my god, like is Cap going to be able to just like? have a shield and Milnir at the same time Ooh. now is it's a really good book and I, I really do like what um uh I was gonna say Jason Aaron uh Donny okay, Cates yeah. is doing over there. Yeah it's it's a really cool take just this idea of like I've never thought of that but like this concept of Thor being around for so long that he just doesn't really remember things. Like the Avengers are kind of here today gone tomorrow for him. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really cool concept. So uh that continues strong for me. And uh yeah I'll I'll get around to reading Spider Man and finishing up. So excited to finish up that Nick Spencer run. <laughs> <laughs> cannot wait cannot wait so yeah man that's that's been my yeah, week. last my one comes out nerd. tomorrow man oh man i'm counting down the days well i guess time now yeah. if it's tomorrow minutes night. hours the minutes <laughs> oh my goodness it's been two years two the years. nightmare is done <laughs> yeah you spent the entire <laughs> pandemic with nick spencer's spider-man <laughs> right all the terrible things. Yeah, happened. all at once. <laughs> all, all, all the things. And it's funny because across the medium of like Spider-Man, the worst he's been on every platform, whether it's the video games, whether it's the movies or the cartoons, he's been the worst in the comic books. It's it's crazy to wrap your head around that. So hmm. I can't wait to get over that. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked. Now, <laughs> I had the pleasure of spending some time with the goddamn Batman this week at his house. We had a little dinner on Sunday and I got to take a little peruse through the updated Batcave. Hadn't been in there in almost two years. And so I got to check out a lot of the Marvel stuff and the Batcave and my daughters went absolutely bananas. And I had this interesting conversation, or we had this interesting conversation on the way home because I remember a long time ago, maybe a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, feels like forever ago, my daughter had this idea in her head, my oldest, that girls couldn't have nerd rooms like this couldn't have their space couldn't like this stuff this is for boys I said no 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 like you know carl's daughters that you know they're older and they love this stuff and they have their own space and all this and this is the first time my my daughter my oldest specifically got to experience that and it it projected her to this whole other level she had a riot but 
just getting to experience everything with an older girl, someone that has found her niche in Star Wars and Superman and all that, and then seeing the Marvel stuff. It just it was such an experience to watch her experience that for the first time. So I wanted to thank Carlos for not only inviting us over for a little dinner there, but for providing that 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 I guess really something to like a mentor in in your daughters for for mine specifically and you know someone for the, her to look up to in this space because she loves dc and she's trying to find her footing in other things and it's cool to have that so thank you guys and, and thank you i know sometimes you, you listen so shout out to uh to, to the, your daughters there carlos oh thanks man and yeah no it was it was our pleasure to have you guys and yeah the girls had a blast with your girls and and yeah if she needed to uh, to have an endorsement that uh, little girls can like whatever they want to mm-hmm. like. There's no fronting with no. KC, man. Like it, it's one half of the room is all Superman stuff, and the other half is like Star Wars, but not just Star Wars. Like the Clone Wars and yeah. Mando, like that. <laughs> I got to see the yeah. the life size Hot Toy Grogu, which is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that it's in your house. Out of the three of us sitting here, two years ago, there's no way that was happening. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, and yeah, he. Uh, I have a son. Yeah, I have a son. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. <laughs> so beyond that, man, I know you got lots of stuff to talk about. You're you're having some fun with some action figures, there, weren't you? Yeah, I was having I was having a pretty good time with uh, you know inspired by my man Troy. I've been poaching those Zack Snyder Justice League figures, but just kind of making them my own. So uh swapped a Wonder Woman with my wife and gave her the darker costume, and that turned out good. And that one, like, really um, boosted my confidence because there was a lot of paint that went on that figure, and I was like, man, this is going to get messed up, and there's going to be thumbprints and blah, blah, blah. Like, had visions of modeling in high school and stuff, but it, she turned out wicked. And then, uh, yeah, I... Did uh, Jason Moore Aquaman, and he came out mm. cool, and I was pretty happy with uh, like, like those McFarlands. If you strip away a bit of the paint in the face and just get some of those flesh tones right, they're a totally different look to them. And yeah, Tim, I know you yeah. got to kind of peek a bit at some of my work there. So Un- it's unreal, man. Like I tell you, the the improvement on the face sculpts alone, just with what you've done. I didn't appreciate like the depth that you both are going to when you, when you do. I thought it was just you know a little brush here, there, there. Not that I'm underappreciating, but man, like the stripping and all that that you guys are doing. No, Sunny, not yeah, that kind of stripping. But yeah. the the OCD is real. The OCD <laughs> is real. But uh, yeah, man, I can't even front. I my week in nerd, it's not really plastic fueled. But uh, I got to do something that uh, very few people have got to do in this life. Mm. I got to pee with the amazing Spider-Man himself, Andrew Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can you just say that one more time for the listeners? I don't know if everyone caught and can appreciate that sentence. One more time, Carlos. I I went pee with... uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, on uh, Friday afternoon. Yeah, so Batman uh, and Spider-Man. Amazing. Yeah, that's right, man. It was like it was like that old uh, that Bagley comic from back in the '90s or 2000s. But uh, yeah, um, 
the folks that run our church, we rent space from a, a larger church and they were told that there was some stuff going on in the building. And when it was being explained what was happening, uh, there was a movie being filmed. There were miniseries being filmed there. And as the folks that run our church found out more information, they found out that Andrew Garfield and um, Wyatt Russell were two of the people playing around in this space. And right away, our pastor's wife was like, there's a little girl in our church. She loves Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield is her favorite Spider-Man. If there's anything yes. that you can do to, you know, allow her to be around him and the production and stuff, let us know. And uh, yeah, to the credit of the folks that run that church, they relayed a message to us. And so my family went and we camped out in the pastor's office for hours and hours on Friday. And um yeah, we, we got to see them filming and doing their thing. And we got told, like, kind of at the outset, the production manager was like, Andrew Garfield is a total method actor, and he's kind of into his his own head. So we don't know, like, maybe we'll try and facilitate something after if we don't go late. But, um, yeah, like, he, needed, he wouldn't actually even sit with the other actors and whatnot. They had to clear out the nursery and give him his own space to do his thing. But, uh, yeah, I ended up going to the bathroom, and there's a dude like, you know, taking a whiz in the in the actual toilet and I go to the urinal and uh I was like, Yeah, this this is a strapping guy, this like strong flow going on and uh <laughs> I, I I turn around or no, I'm like standing there still and like <laughs> dude comes and talks to me. I was like, Yo, you're breaking the bro but you're Spider Man, it's Andrew Garfield <laughs> breaking the bro code and he's like, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing today? And um I was like, yeah, it's cool. And it's like, so like, it was, I was kind of weirded out a bit because like he broke the bro code and he was also in character. And so he was playing like this Utah minister guy from the Mormon church <laughs> in this movie. And so he's like, <laughs> Andrew Garfield talking to me while I got like, I'm doing my business. And he's talking to me in this like Utah <laughs> <laughs> Mormon pastor voice. And I know what his voice sounds like, obviously, right? So I was yeah. like, man, this is all kinds of weird. So <laughs> what yeah, <an> experience. We... <laughs> this sounds made up. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, but you can't make no, up this story. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> just, so I go and I'm like washing my hands and just kind of doing the small talk. How's your day going and that? And then he like takes his mask off and he's like checking his face. And I was like, Dude, like, are you? Do you want me to ask for your autograph? But you're like weird pastor guy voice going on right now. So, yeah, I was just like, yeah, nice meeting you. Have a great day, and uh, and that was cool. That was that was that. So, he um he did kind of pop by the front of the door, and they asked if he would take a picture with my daughter, and he's like, yes, I will. I'll come back. It's like I just I'm like literally in the middle of filming right now and stuff like that. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't end up coming together because he had to get whisked away to another location and stuff, and they went like. I think they were three hours longer than they wanted to be um, there. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. Got to interact with him and stuff. And then uh, might have taken a spy pic of him walking down the stairs. Or I didn't. But so <laughs> the guy that runs the church did. And, uh, yeah, and that was cool. And, like, my daughter was hilarious. Like, just every time the guy kind of walked by the door or whatever, you'd see her kind of, like, tear up or, like, <laughs> get the big pie plate <laughs> eyes. And, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty neat. It was a pretty neat experience. And we didn't tell her what we were doing. Told her that she had like a dentist appointment follow up. Ah. And uh, yeah. And then we had to pick up the like our pastor's wife and drive her down and 
we're like, oh, yeah, there's a, just an emergency at the church. We have to drive her down. So we get there, and then she's like, why are we all getting out? Don't I have to go to the dentist? <laughs> and then my <laughs> wife tells her, she's like, yeah, they're filming a movie here. She's like, oh, yeah, cool. Why did you take me out of school for this? Because Andrew Garfield is here, and just, like, oh. tears start going, and just, yeah. Wow. That Andrew energy. It was enough. That's it was amazing, enough. Amazing, man. That's so cool. Yeah, man. There, there's a little part of me that wishes you turned around and said, "I'm the goddamn Batman." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the goddamn Batman of the Nerd Room podcast. Yeah. Tell me, are you in No Way Home? <laughs> Nerd Room exclusive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so cool, oh, man. man. What a story. I, you, you dropped it in the DM, right? Like, I guess not too long after and all of us were like wait what like i think tron had the same reaction like what <laughs> what are you talking about one was kind of unexpected too because we didn't know if it would actually come together or not mm-hmm. and um and to be honest like i don't know that we should have been there but um yeah the folks that run the church are like yeah you know what it's our building so mm-hmm. whatever we can we can have whoever we want in here and that's that so yeah i got to That'll be something I take to my grave. I got to pee with the amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a Matt. you experience. <laughs> Did you didn't get to see U.S. Agent though? No, didn't didn't catch him anywhere. But um, yeah, they're in and around town. So yeah, it's kind of cool, man. Like to, we had the Ghostbusters here, mm-hmm. and Mando is here doing his thing with The Last of Us, yeah. and uh, yeah, now Spider Man and the U.S. Agent are running around. So yeah, it's become a real hotspot yeah. actually here. If uh, if we're in normal times, I think you'd see a lot more of them too, kind of out and about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been cool. And then yeah, the plastic was pretty chill, aside from just kind of messing around with things that I already own. And the only thing I did find out on the hunt was I found these really cool Batman Returns little uh, micro machines. Yeah. They're like from Jada Toys, but they're like metal micro machines, but the same size and scale as micro machines, but just so bizarre. So I went on their website to see what they actually, like if if there's like a Batman one or any other ones, they only made Batman Returns and Batman 66, but the Batman Returns set comes with the Batmobile and then not the Batsky or anything, the duck. And then, like, the ride that the penguin makes, like the little fake Batmobile that he's controlling it in, was the third vehicle. I was like, really? You didn't do the Batsky? But sure. Why not? Why not? So, yeah, it was the, the best five bucks I, I spent last week. So, awesome. I was pretty happy with those. Oh, man. What, what, what a week. You know, I think the listeners are going to really enjoy that story. And it certainly takes the cake. For our weekend nerd this week, no matter how much plastic that we purchase, there's always something to be said about experiences mm-hmm. and to, to enjoy those when they when they do come along. But guys, this was a this is a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to review Venom Let There Be Carnage, even if I haven't seen the film. And I'm glad we had that, that great robust discussion about what that end credit scene actually means. And we're gonna find out here in the not too distant future. It's only a couple months out. And so we get to experience No Way Home in the theaters. And on the way, we're going to also touch on Eternals. we got Hawkeye in the middle there. So the MCU is firing on all cylinders. And let's not forget, guys. We've got next week is going to be probably a Marvel-heavy week where we're going to wrap up What If. We're going to talk about some of this Daredevil news. But then that weekend, not this weekend, but next week, it is freaking DC Fandom. 
hype level for me is well beyond what it was last year. And it's really centered around the Flash and the Batman for me. Like the Black Adam I'm excited about, but those two, we've more or less been promised trailers. There's that Peacemaker clip from today that just dropped that James Gunn's showing off another extended scene from the Peacemaker. We've got something special coming here in the DC universe. And most of the rest of October is going to be very DC shaped because this is going to be a big event, guys. We can all call it right now. I think we all pretty much agree that fandom is going to be huge. Huge. So lots of great stuff here in the Nerd Room, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to give us your opinions, thoughts on things, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over the nerdroom.net. The hunt is real. And you can find it over on Instagram where we're throwing up pictures, even YouTube now. Get over there and check out some of the videos of my collections and even my big Holy Grail find, a little unboxing video there. It's only like three minutes long. It's not going to take up too much of your time. And Twitter, that's where we like to, to hang out, discuss, nerd each and every day. Our handle's at the end of the episode, so you can always catch us wandering around there looking for a discussion. So, another exciting week. Not only do we get to see, or do you guys get to see Venom Lift be Carnage, but Carlos took a leak with Spider-Man. So that is not a way I'd ever thought I'd be ending these episodes, but needless to say, here we are. And with all that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Batman. And thank you so much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay, and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, Sanjabi, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.